Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on April 23, 2023. We're in the Gospel of Luke, focusing every week on Jesus and what Luke teaches us about Jesus. He's the one I really want you to know. And as you know, as we have studied, Jesus was a man of peace and love. He was the world's best teacher, but he still found time on a personal level to bless children, to care for the sick, to heal lepers, to wash feet, to stay up late caring for the sick and the hurting, to cry at the tomb of a friend, to calm fears in a storm, to pray early in the morning and late at night. If you only had one word to describe Jesus, you might accurately choose love. He loved God and he loved people, the very things that we talk about in our church that are important to us, and that was very crystal clear. But there was more to him than gentle Jesus. He was unafraid to show anger at hypocrisy. Just prior to the passage that we're going to read today, Jesus went into the temple and he overturned tables and he threw chairs. I was tempted. Should I do that? No, I'm not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I'll I'll refrain. But he did that. And he went in and he let them know in the loudest possible terms, this place is supposed to be a place of prayer and you have turned it into a religious flea market. It's supposed to be a place where people can see me and you have turned it into a place to make a buck. Get out. And he forced the people out. And then he taught them. In two days, Jesus had totally disrupted Jerusalem. On Sunday, he entered to the applause of a huge crowd. On Monday, he went into the temple and he cleansed them. And then he mesmerized the crowd with some incredible teaching. Everybody in Jerusalem was talking about him. And so the Jewish leaders came to him with a question. Now, we'll see from the scripture, they didn't really want truth. They were trying to give Jesus a a gotcha question that would turn the crowd against him. Still, the question he asked was a very good question. Who gave you the right to do these things? How could you come into town in a way declaring yourself to be the king. What authority do you have to do that? Who are you to set rules for the temple? Who put you in charge? It was really a good question. And I want you to see in our passage how Jesus answered it. So it's in Luke and we're in chapter 20. Let's stand together as we read. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? 
He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? And they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And he went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. <clears throat> but when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. And when the people heard this, they said, God forbid. And Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people. You may be seated, and I really do want you to understand this passage and by the way, Jesus' teaching and discussion with the Jewish leaders will continue into the next passage we study next week. But that's as far as we could go today because I really do want you to understand it. The Jewish leaders thought they had Jesus. Listen, we're, we're going to ask him where he gets his authority. If he won't answer, then it's clear he's just a petty criminal and we will have the right to arrest him, and the crowd will understand that. If he claims to be the Messiah, or if he claims to be God, as we have heard that he has done, then the crowd will love it, but we will consider that blasphemy, and we will rightfully be able to arrest him whenever the crowd is gone. If he claims rebellion then the Romans will arrest him and they will take care of it for it's their job to keep the peace. So they thought, no matter what Jesus answers, we've got him. There was a lot more unsaid than really said in this particular conversation. But I want you to know, just for your own life as well as in the Bible, arguing with Jesus is not a smart thing to do. They learned that you really can't win when you try and match wits with the creator of the universe. So I want you to make sure you understand this passage. And the first thing that Jesus did in this passage is he dealt with the authority issue. 
And he did that in a way that he often did. He answered a question with a question. He wanted them to think. He wanted them to go on record. And so he asked them, well, what about John the Baptist? Was his baptism from heaven or was it just a man thing? They refused to answer because they knew either way they'd be in trouble. If they answered, well, well, John's baptism was from God, then Jesus would legitimately ask, then why didn't you repent when he called you to repent? Then why weren't you baptized if it was from God? And by the way, why didn't you listen when he called me out as the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God? So they couldn't say John's baptism was from God. And if they answered what they really believed, that John's baptism was just a man thing, then they knew the crowd would turn on them, turn against them. For many in the crowd in the temple had gone to John, had been baptized by John, who heeded the call of John, who recognized he was calling them to God. They knew that he was a prophet and now since he was dead, he was a martyr. And so the Jewish leaders were afraid of the crowd. And so they refused to declare themselves. And they simply answered like a coward, we don't know. And so Jesus said, if you're not going to answer, neither am I. What Jesus was saying was this. The answer to both questions is the same. If John was from God, then I am from God. If John is just a man thing, then I am just a man thing. Either we're both from God because he called me out as the Messiah. He introduced me as the Messiah. He was there when I was baptized. He heard the voice from heaven. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased the answer is the same and you have been afraid to declare yourself what Jesus was telling them was listen I, I've declared myself by my actions and by my words as did John the Baptist the answers are the same and if John was right as the people think if John was right then I have every authority to come into Jerusalem as the king because I am the king. I have every right to declare myself as the son of God because I am the son of God. I have every right to come in here and set the rules because this is my father's house, not yours. The answer to both questions was the same. But I want you to think about that word authority. By what authority do you do this? The authority issue is a question you and I must answer today. We, we, we can't play the game of the Jewish leaders. We can't give the kind of in-between, not really an answer, answer of the Pharisees. I don't know. At some point, we have to declare ourselves. This is what I believe. But it's more than just a this is what I believe statement. We also need to issue an authority statement. 
Don't be among those. There are way too many of them in today's world. Don't be among those who say they believe in Jesus, but give Jesus no real authority over their lives. I mean, as a pastor, I, I deal with him all the time. Talk to people about, oh, I believe in Jesus. Good, then why don't you come and worship with him? No, nah, I, I don't do the church thing. Don't be among those who say they believe, but don't accept the authority of Jesus. I believe in Jesus, some say, but I will do what I want. That is not the statement of a Jesus follower. I believe in Jesus, but I don't have to love all people. That is not the statement of a Jesus follower. I believe in Jesus, but it's not my job to feed the hungry. That is not the statement of a Jesus follower. I believe in Jesus, but I don't have time to serve him. That is not the statement of a Jesus follower. I believe in Jesus, but I get to decide who I'll forgive. That is not the statement of a Jesus follower. Because he doesn't just want us to say we believe, but to give him the ultimate authority in our lives. He is God. He is King. He is the Lord. He is the Master. And so real faith in Jesus is not just I believe in him, but I'll live under his authority. Too many people see belief as an imperative and following as optional. That's not a biblical thought. If he really is the son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the master, the Lord, the one who died for me on the cross, if he really is God and I really believe that, then I will accept his authority over me. By what authority do you do this? Have you granted Jesus that authority in your life? Because that's a question we must answer. And too often we make the gospel not the gospel. Just say this prayer, just walk the aisle, just get dunked. Just say you believe and we're good. No, by what authority did you do this? It was a really good question. I did this because I am the Son of God. And he calls on us to grant him that authority, to live under his authority. He is who he says he is. You grant people authority in your life all the time. You go to work, you got a boss, right? Try that on your boss. I believe in you, boss. This is a great place to live, to, to work. I'm, but I'm not going to show up for work tomorrow because i got things to do. On Tuesday, I made an appointment. I, I, I'm not going to be there. On Wednesday, you know, it's the middle of the week, man, by then I'm tired. I just kind of like to sleep in. I mean, really, don't you? Okay, you know, hump day, okay. On Thursday, you know what? The Suns might have a playoff day game that day, and it's going to take me all day to get hyped up for that thing. On Friday, I'll be there for an hour because i got to pick up my paycheck, but then i got to get ready for the weekend. Okay, you can say all you want, you believe in your boss and you believe it's a great place to live, but you give him some authority. I want you here at 8 o'clock and I want you to leave till 5 o'clock. Try that with the city of Phoenix, Tom. Tell them how you're going to do your job and you will be retiring this week. I know you want to, go ahead, try it, test them, see what works. 
Belief and authority go hand in hand. If we say we believe, but we don't grant authority, we are just playing the game that the Jewish leaders did. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to do too much. I don't get anybody mad. I'm not going to come out too strong in favor of Jesus. I just tell people, I believe in him, but I won't grant him authority over my life. To believe in Jesus says, I will follow him. I will do what he did. I will act like he acted. I will love like he loved. I will do everything that he has called me to do to the very best of my ability, and I won't be afraid of what the crowd thinks. That's the authority issue, and you and I have to deal with that. And then after that discussion, Jesus gave a short parable. Part of it was he attacked the position of the Jewish leaders. One of the things I love about this is in a very short parable, he essentially gave the whole gospel. Here's the parable. A man rents his vineyard to some farmers. And at the appropriate time, harvest time, he sent a servant to collect the rent. The farmers beat the servant and they sent him away. You're not getting any of our harvest. He did it again. And he did it again. And finally, the owner of the vineyard says, I'm going to send my own son. Certainly they will respect my son. But the farmers kill the son and claim ownership for themselves. And so the man comes back and reclaims the vineyard and kills the murderous tenant and rents it out to others. And the crowd who heard this, they were angered. God forbid that that would happen. But Jesus indicated he knew that's exactly what was happening. They rejected the prophets. They persecuted the prophets. They refused to listen to the prophets. And now before the week is over, Jesus knew what was coming. They're going to crucify the son. And Jesus pointed this at the Jewish leaders. But it also clearly, just a short parable, gives us really the entire gospel. And I want you to to think about it. So the first thing Jesus starts with is God's creation. The, The man represents God, and it says the man planted the vineyard. That's where truth starts, by the way. In the beginning, God. And there really is no other logical or scientific way to explain it. Oftentimes, when I don't know how to talk to people about the gospel, I'm not a natural personal evangelist, and i got to find ways to start the conversation. I often talk to people about it on that very first point, that there is a God. And, and I'll do it something like this. Try it sometimes and see how it works. I will just ask people a very common question in Arizona. Hey, where are you from? Because very few people around here were actually born here. If you're under 50, there's a good chance you weren't born here. How many of you were born in Arizona? Raise your hands. Yeah, see, very small percentage of the crowd. So where are you from? And they'll tell me, well, we're from North Carolina. Why North Carolina? Because that's where my parents live. Where'd your parents come from? And sometimes that opens a fascinating you know, discussion. Well, they immigrated from this country or that country or whatever. Well, Ultimately, where, where did your family come from? Well, I'm not really sure. Where, where did human beings come from? Oh, well, 
we evolved. Now, I don't want to argue science with them. I mean, too often as, as Christians, we, we start arguing the science and we, we miss the whole point. Okay, we evolved from what? Well, ultimately, they're, 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 you know, the right combination of chemicals came together somewhere. Okay, wh where did those chemicals come from? Well, ultimately, they'll trace it back to the Big Bang. Good, where did the energy and matter in the Big Bang come from? Well, we don't know. Well, I like my answer better than your answer. In the beginning, God. Because there had to have been a first cause. Things don't just happen out of nothing. It goes against everything we believe even about science. So, so by the way, don't make science our enemy. Use it as our ally. And force people to think about the beginning. Where, where did this all start? And you really can't logically or scientifically come up with a better answer than someone created it. In the beginning, God. That's where Jesus started in this, with God's creation. And then he points out man's rebellion. God sent servants. The prophets. People like Moses with the, the Ten Commandments. This is how I want you to live. Isaiah calling the people back to God. God showed patience because when they were ignored, he sent more. God showed incredible tolerance and mercy, and he sent more, and they continued to rebel. And so in this parable, he points out man's rebellion. And by the way, we still rebel today. Look at us. In our country, never mind the world, we're violent, we hate, we hold racism in our hearts, we war, we make promises we don't keep, we lie, we cheat, we make laws and then we break them. We think of America as the land of the free and the home of the brave. We like to think of ourselves as the good ones. But the honest truth is we have more people per capita in prison and jail than in any other country in the history of the world. We like to think of ourselves as good. The truth is we are rebellious people. But I'm not just talking on a national level. It's a personal thing. I'm, I almost hesitate to say this because it's going to make me sound old. I'm 64 years old. All my life I thought by age 64 or 65, I will have this thing figured out. And I will be finally what I always wanted to be, a really, really good man. Listen, I still say the wrong thing. I still do the wrong thing. I still think the wrong thing. I'm nowhere near as good as I want to be. And that's part of the gospel. We've all sinned. We've all done wrong. We've all done stupid. God created us. We rebelled against him. All of us. And then just like in the parable, God sent his son. 
I know we celebrate it at Christmas, but unfortunately, sometimes at Christmas, we focus on the miraculous birth. You know, Joseph and Mary and the Virgin and the angels and, and, and the wise men, and we talk all about that, and we don't focus on the identity of who was born. It's not just a cute baby story. I want to tell you, I got 18 cute baby stories in my own family. Nine kids, nine grandkids, and some more coming. No, that's not an announcement. I'm just assuming there. You're all looking around. Who's next? Uh, I mean, we all got cute baby stories, but this was not a cute baby story. This was God himself who came to the earth to live on the earth and ultimately be crucified for our sins. And this little short parable tells this whole story. God created us. Man rebelled. God sent his son. He ultimately was crucified in the greatest act of sacrifice in human history. It's a great story when men are willing to die for their country. It is a great story when a man is willing to die for a man, but it is an out-of-the-world story when God is willing to die for men. But that's what happened when he was crucified. Because he loved me and he loved you and he loved all people. He was willing to say, I will die because I love you. Jesus God's son, who had always existed, he was crucified, but he rose again. He was rejected, crucified as a common criminal, which, as he points out, became the cornerstone. The cornerstone in Jesus' day. Now, often today, they'll, they'll put a cornerstone on a building, and they'll put a little plaque on it, and it's, it's just you know, kind of a nice thing. This building was built in 1914 or built by, you know, whatever, or today on libraries and hospitals, you know, under the leadership of this group of people or so-and-so was governor or whatever. In Jesus' day, a cornerstone set the entire project. It was huge. It was massive. And they would work on it till it was 100% right. You get the cornerstone off by a quarter of a degree. When you follow that line, the entire building's going to be off. It's not a square angle. Your entire building's not going to be square. Nothing is going to be right. And Jesus said, the stone the builders rejected, the person who was crucified, has become the cornerstone of the faith. He is the ultimate standard by which you and I will be judged. And so what do we do with Jesus? That leads us to the choice. And what is our choice? Will we be like the Jewish leaders, afraid to take a stand? Cowards? I can't say what I really believe because people might turn against me. Or will you and I and our church take a very strong stand for Jesus? Listen, I believe with all my heart that the church, especially the evangelical church, including Baptists and other evangelical churches, were making a serious mistake. 
We are incredibly bold in our politics, and yet we are relatively silent about Jesus. We're bold in our ideology. This is how we look at life, but we are quiet about Jesus. We are bold in our morality. We believe in this. We are against this. We think this is great. We think this is horrible. This is how you ought to do it. We are bold in that. And then we whisper about Jesus. We're very bold in telling people how to vote. And very quiet in telling people to choose Jesus. Listen, if we really want to be the church and followers of Jesus. We need to be willing to to set those things aside and be bold in proclaiming who Jesus is. The one and only Son of God who always existed for all eternity before the world Jesus was and is. And when we rebelled against God and we sinned and we made a mess of life on earth and we've still got a mess of life on earth, Jesus came from heaven to earth And he died for us. And anyone who believes in him, because he's alive, he rose on the third day. Anyone who believes in him is given eternal life. The great adventure of following Jesus in this life and life that goes on without end in a place we call heaven. Where all the good things of earth are and none of the bad things. We need to be bold in proclaiming that And the world looks at us and all they see is our stance on family. That's a good thing. Our stance on morality. That's a good thing. Our stance on ideology. Okay, we have some good ones. Our stance on politics. Okay, we're a little mixed on that, but we're really good at proclaiming that. But we have proclaimed everything else. We need to proclaim Jesus. He's our message. He's our gospel. He's the reason we gather. He's the one it's all about. If we win the political war and the ideologically war and the family war and the transgender war and the abortion war and everything else, but don't tell people about Jesus, we have blown it. Because it's all about Jesus. That's why we exist. And so the choice is not just, do I believe in Jesus? Do I grant him authority over my life? But am I willing to do what the Jewish leaders were afraid to do? Stand up before a crowd who disagrees with me and say, this is what I believe. That's what we're called to do. So, So what is your response to a message like this? First of all, I want you to accept... Jesus' call in your life. He's God. He came. He died. He rose again. And he's calling on you to believe in him and follow him. You've got to accept that call. I cannot do it for you. Church cannot do it for you. Mom and dad can't do it for you. Grandparents can't do it for you. It's a personal thing. You've got to decide, yes, I believe. Yes, Jesus. I believe in you and I will follow you. And then parallel to that, if you're going to say, I'm going to follow you, you need to accept his authority. Yeah. If I say, I'm going to follow him, I'm really going to follow him. If he says, do that, I'm going to do that. If he says, don't do that, I'm not going to do that. 
If he says, think this way, I'm going to think that way. If he says, love this person, I'm going to love that person. If he says, forgive others who have sinned against me, I'm going to forgive others who have sinned against me. If he says, love all people, even if they hate me, I'm going to love all people, even if they hate me. Accept the authority of Jesus. And then choose. Are you going to live in boldness or cowardice? And, and really, if you're thinking about who's watching you and what they might think, narrow that down. Because the one who's really watching you is Jesus. A hundred million Americans might disagree with you. But we want to get to the point where the only one that really matters to me is what Jesus thinks and live our lives that way. Will you get in trouble as a result? Most likely. Will you have enemies as a result? Almost certainly. Will people strongly disagree with you? By all means, they will. But he's the only one that really matters. So when I'm asking you to choose Jesus, I'm asking you to choose him all the way. You think about that. We have in our church, I know it's old-fashioned, it's okay. We have what we call an imitation. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.